Hello, and welcome to Silk Road Rising's In Dialogue, a podcast dedicated to the lively exchange of ideas and experiences. Silk Road Rising is a community-centered art-making and art service organization rooted in Asian, Middle Eastern, and Muslim experiences. Through live theater, digital media, and arts education, we challenge disinformation, cultivate new narratives, and promote a culture of continuous learning. I'm your host, Jamil Corey, co-founder and co-executive artistic director of Silk Road Rising. On this episode of In Dialogue, I'm continuing the conversation with my dear friend, colleague, and collaborator, Dr. Michael Malik-Najjar, Associate Professor of Theater Arts at the University of Oregon. This is the ninth of nine conversations I'm having with Malik, exploring the Arab American and Middle Eastern American theater movements. In our previous episode, we explored the intersectional identities of Middle Eastern Americans. In this episode, we're focused on casting, and we're addressing a question that is sometimes very nuanced and sometimes abundantly clear. Should only Middle Eastern American actors play Middle Eastern American roles? This conversation was recorded on August 23rd, 2019. Welcome, Dr. Michael Malik-Najjar. So I'm going to put you in the hot seat for a moment and uh, just kind of you know, throw out, I know it's a broad question, we're going to look at it from many different sides, and it's not an easy question. Um, it is complicated because of many factors. Um, first, Middle Eastern American cultures often don't want their children going into the arts, so they'll dissuade them from becoming artists because of financial uh, worries, uh, sometimes it has to do with their uh, their perceptions of how artists are uh, portrayed uh, in, in their artworks, etc. So we have uh, a small group of people who are actually castable to begin with. So we, have, we don't have a large enough pool of Middle Eastern American actors from which to draw. So that's the first problem we have. Um, and, and those pools being concentrated in specific cities. Exactly. With, yeah. Exactly. Large cities like Chicago may have right. a very large pool compared to a very small pool or non-existent pool in Eugene, Oregon, where I, where I live. Right. So, so that becomes a real issue in the sense of if you don't have the people to literally cast the show, how can you possibly put, only put Middle Eastern American actors in these plays um, in that case? However, uh, I think that if those resources are available to you, if you're a major equity theater in a major city, I think that it behooves you to reach out, try to cast Middle Easterners in these roles, um, if they have the cultural embodied knowledge. You know, I, I also don't believe it's all about DNA. I don't think that just because you're from a community means you know everything about a community. As a matter of fact, you've got to learn these, these um, or, embodied... Or that you even have a close connection to the precisely, community. Precisely. Yeah. So, so I don't believe that just because you're of Lebanese background, you just automatically should be playing a Lebanese character if you don't understand anything about the language, the culture, etc., if that's integral to the character in the play. Um, so I would say that if you have the opportunity to cast a Middle Eastern American actor in a role and they have the requisite knowledge, I would say that is, that is absolutely the right thing to do. Um, and that there be a very 
diligent effort made and uh, and in many cases a very exhaustive search. Exactly, exactly. It's not going to be easy, but if you care enough about the material, I think you it behooves you and your theater to do that kind of work in order to find the right people to play those roles. Um, let's not forget that these actors, the, if they do come from these cultural backgrounds and they have embraced that cultural experience, they're bringing with them a wealth of language opportunities. Perhaps they'll be able to speak some of the lines in Farsi or in Arabic uh, or in Hebrew, for instance. Um, they're bringing other embodied knowledges like playing instruments like the oud, for instance, or being able to do a dance like the, the debki um, in some cases. Uh, I think that that is really what you're looking for. You're looking for somebody who's going to bring that, and again, I, I don't like the word authenticity, but they're going to bring that cultural experience and knowledge to the work. I think and, what we've seen... And cultural seen, nuances. Oh, and, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, uh, in previous generations, let's be honest, uh, they usually cast non-Middle Eastern Americans in these roles. They usually put them in brown face, uh, put them in some sort of cultural costuming that was not appropriate to the characters. And then they would have them approximate these Middle Eastern languages, and it would often come off as some sort of terrible you know, uh, almost a, uh, a mockery of those languages. And I think we need to move past that kind of thought and move into the idea that there are people that have the knowledge you need to make your play successful. And there are certainly scenarios where kind of enforcing a rule that only Middle Eastern American actors can play these roles does help, does, does work. And I want to go back to our first experience working together uh, on, on my play, Precious Stones, which was the inaugural production for Silk Road. And uh, it was a two character play. Two characters, two, two actors played six characters. Six characters yeah. And, uh, you know, we really insisted that the main Palestinian character be played by a Palestinian American actor and that the main Jewish character be played by a Jewish American actor. And interestingly, the way that that play was structured, the main Palestinian, the actor who played the main Palestinian character also played two Jewish characters and the actor who played the main Jewish character also played two Palestinian characters. So, so there was um, a, a, a dramaturgical rationale uh, and, a, and a political rationale for that kind of ethnically aligned casting. Uh, and it worked really well. It did. And they brought so much uh, of their respective backgrounds and cultural knowledge and to the And it was challenging process. to them as well when they, they were saying lines that maybe were against their own personal political ideology, yeah. right? Yeah. They were playing characters that were actually against what they believe politically about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. But you know, that's the amazing power of theater. It's an empathetic medium that allows us to cross lines, to understand the experiences of others, to embody the experiences of others. And that is one of the places where I would say, if you're going to cast outside of the, the type or the ethnicity, perhaps do it in the desire to put somebody in the shoes of the other. So for instance, at the university where I teach, we don't have a pool of Middle Eastern actors 
Middle Eastern American actors to draw from. But I am committed to producing these plays and directing these plays. And I can't tell you how powerful it's been to have somebody who's non-Middle Eastern, has no connection to the culture, step into those shoes, play those characters, and, and for instance, speak Arabic or perform an, an Islamic prayer or um, sing in, uh, in Arabic, for instance. Those are very powerful things. That's where I think an actor takes on that empathetic role of taking in a character and embodying them and understanding them on a very deep human level. My, my husband Malik has spoken a lot about the experience of seeing undergraduate actors not of Middle Eastern or Muslim backgrounds playing Muslim characters and what they learn from that and how they grow from that experience and how their their family members, parents, friends who come to see the performance are affected by uh, and, and undergo somehow that, that empathic uh, maybe transformation, certainly change of, of some sort. And, and if it's done properly, right? And that, again, I, I always bring it back to the caveat that, again, all of this must be done properly. If you're going to have Arabic on your stage, you better make sure people are reading from right to left, right? If you're going to have a song, you better make sure that the people are inflecting the song properly and singing it properly. If you're going to have a dance, hire somebody to come in and teach you that dance to do it properly. You know, these are, these are the things that I feel, again, you can't take shortcuts. When you do, you're bound to offend an audience member who's who's from a Middle Eastern background who comes to see these plays, or you're bound to misinform a non-Middle Eastern audience about the culture. And those both of those things are, are incorrect. There's also the whole issue that we have a vested interest in creating opportunities for Middle Eastern American actors. Right. And you know, it, Silk Road's been around now for about 17 years. Uh, and, and we've produced a number of plays. And, and I have seen a sort of evolution in the thinking. Whereas, of course, we started with this very specific casting, uh, and then we moved into uh, uh, a more of a multi-ethnic, multicultural, when it came to Middle Eastern American storytelling. Um, and, and now we are in this place where we, we want to commit to casting Middle Eastern actors and Middle Eastern roles. And, and the hope is that it can always work out that way. So, you know, this has been affected by the larger conversations in the theater community, but also our recognition that, you know, we have played a role in helping build a larger pool of Middle Eastern American actors here in Chicago, and we want to continue giving them opportunities to play those plum roles, those, those complicated three-dimensional complex characters as opposed to a sidekick or you know terrorist number two who shows up uh, yeah, th this kind of thing there is this debate and and playwrights often speak about this is it more important that we tell the story or is it more important that we we cast with with a, with ethnic alignment uh, and I'd, I'd like to hear you uh, or in an ethnically aligned right. manner. I'd like to hear you uh, chime in on that. Well, our colleague Yusuf El-Gundi has written about this and spoken very vociferously about this. He said, I'm tired of theaters not doing my plays because they can't cast them with Middle Eastern Americans. And he says, if that keeps happening, I'm just going to quit writing Middle Eastern roles. That is a terrible conundrum, isn't and, it? And this is coming from really the premier, the premier. Arab-American playwright in the American theater today. That's right. So, so uh, his view is 
cast whoever you have to cast in order to tell the story. That's more important to me than you not doing my play because you can't cast it properly. And I can't say I can disagree with Yusuf on that point. I mean, these plays must be produced. You know, we cannot keep having playwrights not produced. We've have, we have a hundred plus year history of plays that are sitting on in desks, in boxes, uh, on hard drives, never produced plays. And these playwrights basically can't even forge an artistic life. Forget an economically viable one, but just an artistic life as a playwright because their plays are never produced. So we, we, we really have to take this on a case-by-case -case basis and we have to really be clear that these plays deserve to be produced and if you can cast them with the quote-unquote proper actors, we urge you to do so, but if you cannot, then please produce the plays anyway. I mean, we are a, a playwright-centric, a playwright-focused company, and we've always taken the position that the story comes first and that it is most important that this story be told. Uh, I, I do appreciate what I have learned uh, from other artists in our communities about the nuances of this conversation. And I feel that I've been sensitized in a way uh, to the, the importance of uh, some kind of ethnic approximation. I mean, we can look at experiences of racism that go beyond the Middle Eastern American community. We can look at affinities with Latinx communities, with, with Mediterranean peoples, with South Asian peoples, uh, experiences of colonialism, experiences of a kind of marginalization that informs an actor's uh, ability to embody uh, a particular role outside of his or her own uh, heritage. And so, you know, I, I want us to also be able to draw upon a lot of those common, commonalities and a lot of that shared experience because, you know, to your point about being informed, you know, about, you know, sort of embodying um, uh, uh, knowledge, uh, it is not restricted to one geographic area. No. And I don't want us to fall into the trap of allowing uh, you know, colonially designed <laughs> boundaries and borders and divisions uh, to affect how we relate to one another. You know, that these kind of, you know, these, these imposed uh, divisions should not be informing, you know, our artistic collaborations. Exactly. You know, it is also an economic issue. Uh, there, there's, there are actors, Middle Eastern American actors, who are committing themselves to a life in the arts and getting a role often means getting paid. I can't say always, unfortunately, but you know, c companies like Silk Road Rising, you pay your, your actors. And that is a real, you know, that's an economic issue. These actors deserve to have an, a, a life as an actor, to be paid for their art. Um, I think that is an important issue that we also don't often talk about. It's, we spend a lot of time on representation almost as this sort of aesthetic issue, but there's also an economic issue at play here. And that's why a lot of uh, Middle Eastern American actors are vying to, to be cast in, say, Hollywood productions. Because, yes, you can cast a non-Middle Eastern American in that role and they can pass as Middle Eastern American, but that paycheck's going to go to that non-Middle Eastern uh, actor when the Middle Eastern actor could play that role and get paid to do so. So you know these are these are complex issues and they they deal they're both aesthetic issues but they're also very hard economic issues that we also must address.
Do you maintain that there's a, a division? I mean, obviously you spoke about your work at University of Oregon and on student productions. Yeah. And you know, when we look across the country, hundreds, perhaps thousands of colleges, community colleges, universities, so forth, doing theatrical productions and, and mostly not doing the work of Middle Eastern American um, uh, playwrights, do, do you think that we should establish maybe two sets of rules or or you know are there these variables around you know geography location I mean, all of which you you mentioned earlier but you know if, if people are hungry for sort of you know the, the 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 quick rules or the the easy set I mean do we do we somehow prioritize that do we somehow well, I just think there's so many exceptions to the rule. You know, I mean, for instance, is it or somebody will come to you and say, is it all right for a Lebanese American to play an Egyptian American? You know, so you get these sort of these particularities, right? And I would say, um, again, n there is never going to be a time when you're going to have a perfectly aligned cast. You know, very rarely can you say, I'm going to get a Palestinian American from Bethlehem or Bethlehem yeah. to play a role of a Bethlehem Palestinian. You know, that's very complicated and difficult. And then, of course, you have to line religions as well, etc. Instead, I would just say, make a good faith effort to, to cast that role as properly as possible. And if you cannot, then I think you just have to go towards casting somebody who might, you know, be the best actor for the role, even if they're not culturally aligned. And I think that that rule, unfortunately, has to, to span from some professional productions all the way to, say, amateur or community or university or whatever productions, non-professional productions, because um, it will just be, I don't know that you can make one rule or even two rules that will and maybe satisfy we, all of these casting requirements. Maybe we toss out the word rule altogether. Exactly. You know, maybe these become suggestions. Suggestions, maybe these I think, would be better. But, but that is not to say that when there's a major corporation like Disney who's creating a film, I, I would say no. I think Middle Eastern American actors and Middle Eastern actors should feel compelled to, to petition for those roles and not just say, well, you know, do whatever you need to do. We'll suggest that you, you cast somebody. I mean, if you have the means to cast anyone in the world, and I mean literally anyone in the world in a film uh, of that magnitude, I would say that it's going to behoove you to cast uh, actors. And as we saw in this live action Aladdin film, the two actors they cast are magnificent. So there's no reason not to cast these people. They, they turned out to be wonderful actors and they came from uh, Middle Eastern, South Asian backgrounds. That's, that's, the, that's a win-win situation for me. Now we have had some uh, Indian nationals and some, some Arab nationals, you know, the immigrants to the U.S. or expatriates in the U.S. Uh, come to shows where uh, Arab American and South Asian American, you know, respectively, actors are playing act, uh, characters from India or from an Arab country, and they have, or in in India, in an Arab country, and they have, uh, they've criticized the the casting of American actors. They've said, oh, that that you know, Arab American actor is not Arab. You know, they they don't they don't count. They're too American. Uh, and so we've we've heard this on on you know more than a few occasions you know as a oh it's nice that you made this effort but it would have been better if you found someone from India or if you found someone from Iran uh, and and of course this puts a, a very difficult uh, almost cost prohibitive burden on on a small theater company like ours so even within um, 
uh, ethnic communities, those uh, discrepancies uh, emerge as to who is, who is Arab enough to play this role or who is, you know, fill in the blank enough uh, to play the role. So it just, it reinforces once again how, how incredibly complicated uh, and difficult, I mean, casting in general is such a difficult undertaking. Uh, and we are always rooting for the, the person who's in the room at that moment That's auditioning, right. you know, not to mention the incredible courage that that takes and just the, the drive uh, you know, to pursue a role. Um, and, 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 and sometimes these variables will trip us up. Sure. Um, you know, assuming the person who is of, let's say, a Middle Eastern background, does have more knowledge or does have more affinity with the culture or does have more experience. And then we learn they don't at all. Right. You know, that it's actually quite distant. It's, it's, it's quite foreign. So there, you know, to, to have a role, to have, uh, you know, it is, so, it is so situational, it is so circumstantial, it is so dependent on, contingent upon, you know, the dynamic in the room and the dynamic within the play. And also, you know, once again, let's go back to the playwright. I want to honor the wishes of playwrights. Sure. And that can sometimes, you know, anger an actor, that can sometimes anger, you know, someone else in the production team who feels uh, the wrong choice may have been made uh, or, or that it didn't, you know, come close enough. Uh, so, you know, as is, as in Yusuf's case um, uh, and the case of so many playwrights, you know, they may see someone walk in the room and they're like, that's, you know, that's the character. Uh, and then we have to look at the fact that, oh, but they're actually not of, you know, a Middle Eastern background or they're not of the background. Uh, and what do we do with that? Exactly. And, and I find that to be very difficult. For instance, let's say you have two actors for the same role. One is highly trained, non-Middle Eastern American, but amazingly trained by, say, at Juilliard or Yale or something. And then you have somebody who has the cultural experience but has very little training, if at all. Who do you cast, right? I mean, right. This, these, are, these are the tough choices we have to make right now. Um, we just can't please everyone all the time. I think those audience members that are upset about that, I mean, we, you know, I, I would turn to them first and say, make sure your children go into the arts so we have more, more people from which to choose uh, in the future. Um, but also, I would, I would say, you know, we're at a transitional phase here. We're in a liminal space between having enough actors that are trained to play the roles and not having enough actors that are trained to play the roles. And we're making these negotiations on a case-by-case -case basis, play-by-play -by basis, year after year in the hopes that in the future this won't even be a consideration. We'll have such a wealth of these actors available to us that we won't even need to worry about this. But at this time in our history, we don't have that for many reasons. And we're going to have to make the best choices we can make given who walks in the room. I've often wondered if, if I was an actor and I'm not an actor, would I be cast in Middle Eastern American roles right. looking the way I do? And, and I don't know that I would, although I do embody uh, <laughs> a knowledge and an affinity and a, you know, a, a connection to, to a heritage. And I think directors need to be open to that kind of casting as well. It should go both yeah. ways. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on that note, uh, thank you so much. We are at the end of our series of conversations uh, with Professor Malik Najjar about the Arab American and Middle Eastern American theater movements. Uh, this has been an absolute honor and pleasure 
to uh, you know to pick your brain. Uh, <laughs> Likewise, and the, Silk Road Rising you. is an artistic home. I've always thank felt you. welcomed here, and I'm so grateful to be able to come back and have these conversations with you, my friend. You are an <laughs> integral part of this artistic home, so thank you for taking this journey uh, with us. A heartfelt thank you to our guest, Dr. Michael Malik-Najjar, for such inspiring conversation, and a big thanks to you, our listening audience, for joining us at In Dialogue. Bravo to Alex Gresh for recording and editing this episode, and to Andy Lynn for production managing our show. This episode marks the conclusion of our nine episode long conversation with Dr. Michael Malik-Najjar, exploring the Arab American and Middle Eastern American theater movements. Something tells me that we will be back in conversation with Malik at a later time. And of course, stay tuned for future episodes of In Dialogue with other wonderful guests. This podcast is a project of Silk Road Rising. As a nonprofit organization, we rely on the support of those who engage and enjoy our work. We hope that you will support our ongoing efforts and consider making a donation. To do so, please visit our website at www.silkroadrising.org. That's silkroadrising.org. Click on donate and thank you for your support. Until next time, keep helping the world heal.